Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or Walmart.com. It's the first birth story episode of 2023. And let me tell you, it is a great one. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 192. And whether you are new to the podcast or a loyal listener, I am so glad that you are spending some time with me today. In today's episode of the podcast, we have Tess. Tess is a runner, a work from home mom, and an entrepreneur. She produces and directs road races such as 5Ks, 10Ks, and half marathons, and she consults on all things road racing and running-based wellness. She resides in Atlanta, Georgia with her husband Malik and their daughter Isla Rose, and that's such a pretty name. Well, Tessa's pregnancy journey included an ectopic pregnancy, a miscarriage, and an almost IVF cycle, which you're, which you will hear about that was halted by COVID. And she is also what I call a more mature mom. Isla Rose was born to test at age 43. Now, Tess has a really positive outlook on things from having an ectopic to having a, quote, geriatric pregnancy to how the visits were, the, the doctor visits were during the pandemic. She's just finds a positive spin on everything. And I just love, love, love her energy. She's such a wonderful, joyful person to talk to. Really happy, happy birth story. And I know that you are going to love it. And she also happens to be a member of my online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. And she's going to talk about how that played a role in her having a great birth experience as well. Now, 
If you are listening to this on the day the episode drops, Tuesday, January 17th, there is still time to register for my class, my live class, Make a Birth Plan the Right Way. Making a birth plan is so much more than filling out a template or form that you find online. When you fill out those forms, it doesn't actually tell you whether or not the doctor or hospital actually support what is in that piece of paper. And in my class, Make a Birth Plan the Right Way, I teach a step-by-step process where you will know that you actually have the support for what's in your birth plan and get people to pay attention to it as well. You can sign up for the class, drnicolerankins.com forward slash register. I'm only going to be doing this class live about four times a year. So if you're due in January, February, March, or April, now is the time to sign up and I will see you in class. All right, let's get into the episode with Tess. so much, Tess, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I am so excited to chat with you about your story. As I said before we got started, I know folks are going to find it relatable and useful. So thank you. Oh, no problem. Looking forward to it. Yes. Why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your family? Uh, Well, again, my name is Tess Sobo, me and Marshall. Um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia with my husband, Malik, and our amazing almost 20-month-old daughter, Isla. Um, I've been here for about 12 years you know, everyone in Atlanta is probably from somewhere else. So <laughs> I'm uh, originally from the Midwest and, um, I've been here for about 12 years and, um, my profession is I'm a race director. I put on and produce road races like 5Ks, 10Ks, run walks, um, work with some charitable organizations to help them put on their events. So it's a, it's a, a good life here in Atlanta. Yeah. I love it. That's really, really cool. And I love that name. Isla. That's really pretty. Thank you. Yeah. So in order to understand what happened with your birth, we have to talk a bit about what your pregnancy was like, what your prenatal care was like. So what was your pregnancy and prenatal care like? Well, the, the best way I described describe it was very uncomplicated as far as the pregnancy, but the journey to get pregnant was definitely one that I think, you know, a lot of people can relate to or not. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about that if you want to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. The journey to get there, I would say is, is one that some women can relate to. Um, you know, I am, um, I'm currently 45, but at the time when we kind of started, me and my husband both married kind of later in life. We're both, you know, I was in my late thirties. He was in his early forties. You know, we took our, you know, a couple of years to enjoy married life and started thinking about kids. And, um, you know, we, we, we did not, um, uh, prevent at any point really after we got married, but, um, you know, at some point we kind of realized like, Hey, you know, it's not, it's nothing's like, just naturally happening. Right. Um, and then, um, in 2000, I'm going to make sure I get my years right. 2018, yeah. I actually had an ectopic pregnancy. Okay. And it was literally like, I had no, like there was no signs, symptoms and, um, ended up having to go to the emergency room and, and literally found out in a matter of moments that I was pregnant. And then it was, you know, I had lost the baby, um, as an ectopic pregnancy and really my first time even knowing what that was. So wow. that was really just kind of a, um, how, I mean, how, what, like, that sounds like it was just, you got hit with a lot all it, at once. It was, it was crazy. Um, you know, I was coaching, um, a middle school cross country team at the time. And I literally like came to practice one day and like, just something didn't feel right. I went into the bathroom and, you know, those of you who have experienced ectopic pregnancies, you probably know what, what, what happened in that bathroom. And uh, I ended up having to call the school nurse and I'm still super grateful to that school nurse. Cause she came, this was after school. So there were like kids right. everywhere. Right. I mean, this like random <laughs> campus of uh, restroom and the, the school nurse came and she helped kind of get me to, uh, I think, can't remember. I think my husband came to pick me up. Um, and, um, we got to the hospital and, and again, kind of learned all that information all sure. at once. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was definitely, you know, a trying time. Um, you know, I was about a week out from one of my biggest events. Oh so, my you know, having to deal with that as well as trying to, you know, continue to be a leader as a business Absolutely. owner, um, yeah. that was challenging, but, you know, had a great family and, and friend support along the way. Um, and the thing and that did you was, have surgery, um, yes, I had, did have to have a minor surgery. They call it, they like to call it procedure. They didn't mm-hmm. want me to call it surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I did have to eventually go back. I think it was about a month later to do the, the DNC to mm-hmm. make sure that everything was cleared. So all that. And, um, the, the kind of takeaway that me and my husband chose to take from that was, 
hey, we can get pregnant. Like right. that was like something of the positive that we took away from that. Right. Um, you know, obviously those months afterwards, you know, were, were very, you know, sensitive in terms of just, you know, being more aware. Cause like I said, I had no idea. Like there sure. were no symptoms that told me I was pregnant. Um, so for probably the next year, the all of 2019 and early 2020, you know, we, again, we weren't preventing. Um, and it was kind of that thing where um, so like, I was going to ask, do you mind me asking first, do you feel like, how were you treated during the course of the ectopic is one yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, and then I'm curious, did your doctor at any point in this time talk to you about your fertility? So yes. maybe first let's start with like how you felt you were treated during the process. Yeah. So, um, you know, my husband actually works for one of the healthcare systems here in Atlanta. He's not a, a, a medical person, but uh -huh. he, he works for, um, I don't know if you, if you want me to say what hospital it is, but, um, and so we went to that particular hospital and it was just because it was top of mind to me. Right. And I mean, I was happy with it again. Okay. All the information was new to me. Sure. Um, so whatever they told me was just going to be what I learned because right. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know what an ectopic, I literally had to Google it to find right. out. Right. And it's actually ironic. The, the doctor that helped me, um, two doctors that helped me during that time, I ended up seeing them regularly during my pregnancy. Okay. Um, okay. So, I, I mean, again, I had, you know, positive experience as far as just being informed and being told. And one of my um, volunteers that helps me with one of my raises, a medical doctor, and she came up there and she was making sure I was asking all the right questions. Oh, good. And they good. absolutely okay. did, you know, tell me all the different things that were possibilities in, ter in terms of my fertility. Um but like I said, you know, all of 2019, we pretty much just, you know, didn't do anything to prevent. Right. And I think it was the end of 2019. I was finally like, you know what? We need to see what's going, what's really going on. Because again, we we're both, you know, in our 40s and right. um, you know, I'm fairly healthy. But at the same time, you know, so we um, went and saw a fertility specialist at the mm -hmm. end of 2019, got all the consultations um, I think it was determined, I think it was early 2020. Uh -huh. Um, it, I got the, uh, what was that procedure where they, they shoot the, the, the gel the to your, yeah. Uh, maybe an HSG yeah. hysterosalpingogram. Yes. Boy, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Not fun. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, now I know what that feels like. Um, right. So I got that test and from that test, it was determined that, you know, my, my, um, tubes were, I think they said my, my cilia was kind of like weak and slow and, you know, it was going to be difficult. If not, you know, it would be very difficult for me to get pregnant. Right. So we started looking at IVF and, um, we did all the research. We actually had the full consultation. Um, I think this was late February, we had the whole consultation. Uh -huh. We started looking uh -huh. at insurance, all that good stuff. And Everything. We were scheduled on March 21st to go in for the uh -huh. first, like first round. Right. We all know what happened March of 2020. <laughs> And so, I mean, it was crazy because they, all the, all the clinics shut down and we were like, oh okay, it's going to be on hold. And then Dr. Nicola, even to, even more crazy was I actually got pregnant at the end of March That's and sick. miscarried like within the first two weeks oh. of April. And so this was all during the, the, the hardcore shutdown time of the pandemic. Yes. So we went through all that and that, that one was really tough. Um, Cause again, I didn't realize that I was actually pregnant until I just started bleeding. And it was, it was this like couple of days of like excitement. And then right. I have a, a really good friend who's a midwife and I was like texting her and calling her and, um, she, you know, just assured me to, you know, make sure I go in and I went in to see, um, at the same hospital, um, I went in to see a doctor, um, actually ended up seeing a midwife there. Um, and I'll never forget this woman. She was um, a Jamaican woman and she told me, she's like, listen, I want you to just stay positive you know, you will have children if that is your heart's desire. And she said, you know, you just get through this, take care of yourself. And <laughs> what she said was, you'll have 50 babies. If you want 50. Like, I don't, want 50 I don't babies. know about that, but okay. <laughs> and I, I just always remember those, those kind, positive words. Mm -hmm. um, so we went through the pandemic. So, you know, you know, mm -hmm. summer, fall, mm -hmm. summer, spring, summer 2020. And again, just, you know, wasn't doing anything to prevent. This was, and we were like, okay, um, in November, we'll pick back up with the whole IVF discussion. I right. want to get past my busy fall. Right. Um, my birthday is in um, August. 
Um, so at the end of August, I had this big old birthday party. Um, I'm a, a, also a, a brewery and beer connoisseur. I had okay. this big party where I, I had everybody come over and bring beers and right. we all drink beers right. and had a good old time. And the month of September was just a big lead up to my, um, uh, my big event that I host in October. And right after that event in October, I, I mean, I just wasn't paying attention to anything. And at the end of uh, the middle of October, I was like, you know what? I have not had a period this month. Right. Like, what's going on? Right. So I went and, you know, at this point, you're not getting excited, right? right. Um, you've been through so many things. Sure. And um, I went to the, um, to the local drugstore, got a couple of pregnancy tests, went, took the first one. I mean, it was immediate. Like, just. Yeah. <laughs> And then I, I did the little half smile. Right. Like, oh, no, okay. So I waited a day and I took another one. And I didn't tell my husband because I just, you know, it I is. just, yeah. Right. So um, I went and the second one quickly came back positive. So at that point, I messaged my friend. I told you that was midwife. And I told her. And I was like, listen, I don't want to get my hopes up. She's like, well, schedule an appointment. Go get an official test at the, the um, doctor. I did that, and I think it was maybe like three days later uh-huh. that I got the, the the official test at the doctor, and I came back, and she told me that I was, I think at that point I was like eight weeks. Okay. I remember sitting in that um, that little waiting room and like just sitting there praying, like, listen, Lord, mm. if you make this, I remember specifically saying, if you make this one, you know, this, this is a viable pregnancy. I'll eat salads every single day for the whole race. <laughs> that was my problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm bargaining. I'm just <laughs> eat salads every day. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I found out. And, you know, of course, you know, that was uh, positive news. Sure. Um, Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual. Their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add a Central for Women prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. Did you have an ultrasound that day or? Um, or was it later? So I think, yeah, I think okay. they gave me the ultrasound and I was able to see the little, you know, mm-hmm. probably so since you have a history of a topic, we tend to try to yes. get folks to have an ultrasound early. So, okay. Yeah. So the, the, um, I think it was a nurse practitioner that mm-hmm. I met with and I went there. So again, at the same hospital that I dealt with the, um, ectopic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so to finally get to your original question, um, you know, I started my care there and it's a, a hospital system. So, you know, it was different doctors every time I went in, okay. um, every once in a while midwife, but I was able to schedule and see the, the doctors that kind of the four or five doctors that I was really comfortable with. There was one that I saw probably more than the others. Um, and, um, you know, we'll get to this, but, you know, I was able to, I did, did know all the doctors that were on call during my actual delivery. I was familiar with, so that, okay. that was positive. Got it. Um, and, Got it. and you have the ability to see any of the doctors throughout your, your time, you know, as far as their schedule goes. So, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So at what point did you feel like, or did you ever feel a sense of like relief? Like this pregnancy is actually going to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, I think all women who've gone through miscarriage can relate that you're never a hundred percent comfortable. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But I think that moment and when, when the, the nurse um, practitioner came in and she said that I was indeed pregnant, because right. I, the early March um, miscarriage was her confirming that it was miscarriage. Got you know, it. so Got it. I think that was like one step. And then, um, 
again, this was during the kind of peak of like the COVID shutdowns and all that. My husband wasn't able to come with me to the hospital for any of the appointments. Oh, that's right. But he actually did one of those. Um, isn't it funny how we forget that that was the case uh-huh. back in the day? Yeah. Um, we went to one of those kind of um, ultrasound boutiques uh-huh. in town mm-hmm. and he got a chance to see the baby on the okay. ultrasound. So that, that was a, a huge step in our just kind of like getting really excited. And, um, yeah. 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 And then of course, you know, um, as a geriatric, um, um, what they consider geriatric pregnancy. It's rude. It's rude. It's rude. <laughs> I'm okay with it. You know what? I, I say this all the time. Like I actually enjoyed this special attention. Oh, well, look you at know. that. See, I like how you put a positive spin on yeah. it. Yeah. And I was there every week. I had my little parking spot downtown that I would always go to. So I enjoyed it. Um, but you know, we also obviously had to get the, the blood test, you know, it was, I think it was mandatory or at least strongly, um, recommended. And so we did find out the gender early. So all those like phases and steps and hitting the different, like natural milestones right. that gave us more and more excitement and, and confidence that, you know, this is where we were heading. Good, 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 good. So you felt like you were happy with the care you received yeah. even during the course of the pandemic. I know that sucked that your husband couldn't come, yeah. but well, you know, I really enjoyed the, the time. I, I felt like that was like a bonding time with me mm-hmm. and my daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even the, our little trip, our drive to the hospital, yeah. like, so when I would park, you know, there'd be nobody downtown. Right. Right, it was a special right. time. And, you know, we didn't know any different. I didn't know any sure, different. Sure, sure, I mean, I just felt like when I go to my, my normal appointments, my husband wasn't with me. So it just felt like normal appointments. Uh, you know, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. And it also is. It's something that I think we don't appreciate. That's the closest you're ever going to be to your child, having yes. them inside of you and that, that connection. So I, I love I love that spin that you put on yeah. that. And it was actually kind of cool because, you know, we'd be in the waiting room and she saw the, the, the pregnant mothers mm-hmm. in the waiting room. It wasn't, right. There was no, you weren't even allowed to have anyone in the waiting room waiting for you. Mm. And I remember this one time a woman had her husband come and the lady stopped him at the door. She's like, no, you got to stay out there. So I was like, <laughs> we had our own little, little club. Right, you know? right, um, right. And he, he was always in and out. I don't remember ever waiting longer than like five minutes to see. Okay. My doctor. So okay. well, those are some good. of the positives yeah, of, yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah. So what did you do to get ready for your birth? Oh, goodness. So um, the first, I'm a person that really likes a lot. I just like to have like a lot of different, like uh, a lot of information from different sources, not necessarily to take on how I'm going to feel, but just to be well aware. So um, I was huge on just like YouTube. Mm-hmm. I found a bunch of um, people that I really like to follow that were informative vloggers. And then of course, podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I actually found your podcast. I think the first episode, I think was a birth story. Okay. And then usually if I, if I find a podcast episode that I like, then I'll just click on the, the podcast and see if, okay, they have other topics. And boy, let me tell you, I just didn't even know, like some of the topics that you covered, and this was back when you were, I don't think you even think you had hit a hundred episodes yet. Okay. So we were still under a hundred. Uh-huh. So you can, you can literally access everything right. on right. the um, Apple podcast right. app. And I just literally, I just started, I would go to sleep, listen to podcasts, wake up, listen. My husband was like, you're going to turn into a podcast. Like, <laughs> you know, so I listened to your podcast. I listened to, um, the, um, the birth hour podcast. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, yep. I love listening to birth stories. Mm-hmm. Definitely love listening to, um, like whatever stage I was in, sure. I wanted to hear, you know, more accounts of that. And then even towards the end, my friend told me, she's like, don't watch live births on YouTube. And of course, <laughs> oh, why not? Started watching those live births on YouTube. Um, so yeah, I was very well informed. Um, and, you know, our, um, the doctors were always asked when we came in, are you more of a listener, a watcher or reader? Huh. And I realized quick, I, I love to listen and watch. Like okay. I'll, I'll read a book, but you know, I, I really enjoyed kind of like listening. And like I said, you know, I, I felt like I knew you, right. I, like we were talking <laughs> and then my husband and I did go through your, um, birth and pregnancy course yes. and extremely helpful. It was awesome for us to do it together. Um, and, and just learn, I just felt so like prepared for any scenario that that possibly could have happened from all that information. Right. That was- right. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. So then what are some things that you wanted for your birth? Um, you know, it's funny because listening to a lot of women talk about their, their wants and desires, you know, um, I'm not the type of person that needed like a doctor that was going to be, um, 
yeah, it didn't bother me that we had multiple doctors. Sure. And, 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 you know, as long as the person was, you know, professional and mm-hmm. had, you know, good, you know, bedside manner, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. I was really fine with that. But, you know, I definitely wanted um, to be informed of everything that was, was going to happen. Um, you know, definitely didn't want to have any of those experiences where I felt like something was done to me or, right. or I was forced down a road because of, you know, my age or my right. Um, you know, I remember taking my, my questions in, uh-huh. you know, to my appointments the last few weeks and the doctors were all really great about answering the questions and, and making me wear. So one of the things that, um, that was re- recommended to me and I never felt like I had to do it, but mm-hmm. I took their, you know, since I was, um, advanced maternal age, sorry, that's what I meant to say <laughs> earlier, um, but the advanced maternal age, so they said that, you know, if I didn't, um, um, go into labor naturally, they would recommend that I schedule my induction in the 39th week. Yeah. And I was fine with that, you know? Um, and my daughter started weighing, um, lower on the, um, scale, um, towards the end, like the week 36, 37. So they really recommended like, you know, we want to make sure there's no issues with the placenta. Sure. So, um, I was due May 24th, but I scheduled the induction on May 17th. Okay. And then, so that was like the very beginning of week 39. Got so, it. Got it. so that was something that, you know, if I didn't feel like I needed to push back or anything, cause I felt like they made me aware of like why they recommended that. Absolutely. And I feel like if I would have said, no, you know, I'd rather just kind of wait, wait it out. They would have, you know, giving me that, that option. Yeah. So the key was that it was something that you felt like you were able to come to yourself with good information and understanding and why. Yes. And you know, I have nothing against epidural. Um, you know, I, (laughs) I said to myself, I just wanted it to be available. If it, I mean, I didn't have any, um, I wasn't trying to win any medals for pain tolerance or anything. So, um, you know, when we get into the actual birth story, you know, it was, it was an experience. Yeah, I well, feel like I got the best of both worlds during my... <laughs> gotcha. Got, well, let's get into it. Then what, what happened with your labor and your birth? Yeah. So uh, like I mentioned, you know, I had my induction scheduled, um, you know, literally up to the, the day. That I, there was none, no Braxton Hicks, no feeling like, no water break, um, all the things, you know. Um, and again, I was watching different like YouTube videos of women, you know, trying to, you know, tough it out at home right. for a little while. So right. I was like, Oh, guess I won't get that experience. So <laughs> the day before, um, was a Sunday and I had some of my friends come over and we were just hanging out. Um, and then, uh, Monday morning we were scheduled to go in, I think at like four or five o'clock. So I mean, it was so crazy because me and my husband were, we have a two level house. He was upstairs. I was downstairs and we were just both just like, just getting our minds right. right. We weren't talking, just quiet in the house. Right. It was almost like we both kind of knew like, this is it's about to happen. The, yeah. Something yeah. new is about to happen <laughs> in our world. And then right around the time it was the time to leave. Like I went upstairs, we had our bags packed and got in the car and we were just like looking at each other. It was almost like, you know, first date, like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, since I was in good shape, you know, we basically just went parked, um, got to the uh, reception area. And one of the funniest things I thought from our um, reception, I carried, carried small pretty much the whole pregnancy. Uh-huh. And to the point where it was like, I was glad those last two weeks when I stopped kind of going out and me, cause every time I would tell someone how far along I was, they'd look at me like, really? Like you look like you, you know, two months pregnant. Right. Um, and you know, it didn't help that, you know, I wore baggier clothes or I sure. started wearing my husband's clothes sure. towards the end because they were more comfortable. So when we walked up to the reception, just area, note, I wish people so don't comment on people's pregnant by like nobody yeah. wants to hear it. Like it doesn't, yeah, and again, I didn't think anyone <laughs> said it out of, you know, and, and, I know, and people don't, they don't, they don't mean anything by it, but I had the opposite where people would say, you look huge. Like, yeah, <laughs> only say yeah. like, Normally, I mean, and just the way the way people would say, you know, they didn't mean it. But I just, again, I just was so happy the last couple of weeks right, when I was right. at home. Yeah, <laughs> and I just have to hear it every single day. Yes. Um, and then, so anyway, so we walk up to the reception area, and the woman um, actually asked, "Who's the patient?" So apparently that's how small I must have been carrying. And I looked at my husband and I looked at her and I said, I don't know, but something inside of me needs to come out. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's me. Like and she just started laughing. Out. So I guess I must have looked like real spunky. Right, and, right. And, and I don't remember. No, I do remember. I had kind of a baggier sweatshirt on. But but. still, okay. Are you tall? Because sometimes when people are tall. I guess. I mean, I'm 5'8". So. Okay, maybe so. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. So once we, we cleared up who the patient was... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, we, I think we waited in the lobby area for about five minutes. Um, and it was funny because there was another woman there and she was there by herself with a bag. It was like, she must, this must've been like her third or fourth time when she was just ready. She had like one little bag, right. you know, we're coming in first time parents with suitcases and all the, all the things. Um, <laughs> And so one thing that I, I wanted to mention that I, I don't think I had ever heard anyone talk about this uh-huh. and um, that it was surprising to me. Yeah. They actually took me back to the room first and it was about 20 minutes before they brought my husband back. And um, I remember they were asking me a lot of questions about, you know, was I comfortable with the person that I was um, uh-huh. that was there for my care and um, you know, and I, I almost like like a screening, like a domestic it's violence. Exactly screening. what it is, yeah. Yeah, and I actually appreciated that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't know that that was something that they do. And like I said, I had never heard anyone talk about that. So, um, you know, fortunately, that wasn't my situation. But I was, I remember thinking to myself, man, that that's awesome that they do that because you know that's like your one chance if you are in a tough situation to maybe put up a red flag and then get some help. So and sadly, unfortunately we, we do have to do that because we do sometimes have folks screen positive for being in, in difficult situations. So yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my husband actually, you know, ended up coming back and we, again, this was, um, May of 2021. So we were required to wear our mask mm-hmm. in, we were in like lobby areas. But once we got into the room, I wasn't required to wear a mask, um, as the birthing, um, um, birthing person, but he was required to keep his mask on. And of course, all the doctors, nurses, everyone who came in and out of our room were masked. Um, but I was very grateful for it because there was a lot of back and forth in different hospitals in the Atlanta area about like some hospitals required you to literally be in labor with a mask on. I was yeah, like, it's just, it's just nearly impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we would have had some words there, but it was <laughs> never required. And actually, May of 2021 was right around the time when they started kind of lifting some of the. Mm-hmm. Restrictions, mm-hmm. but we stuck to our plan. You know, all the family was, you know, via text and uh, stuck to our plan. My husband was my my one support person. Mm-hmm. I, I chose not to get a doula just because I felt like um, my husband w- would do a great job, sure. of, you know, advocating for me, right. um, supplying all my needs that I needed, and, and he indeed was perfect. Awesome. Look, I, I never felt the need to have any anyone else um, intercede for me. So good, good, um, good. good. So yeah, so we get settled into the room. Um, you know, I just remember having this feeling of like excitement mm-hmm. and also just after watching and hearing so many birth stories, like this is my story. They're like I'm right. about to like live my actual story. Right. And so they started the induction process with the Foley bowl. Uh-huh. And and I can't remember which of the C medicines. Cytotech, maybe? One of it's Cytotech or something else, okay. but I can't remember which one I got. But um that was right around eight. 20 okay um that evening and i will say like that foley bulb pain was yeah that at that at that time i was thinking to myself this is what they're talking about this is pain like it was very painful i remember having um uh, whenever i had to go to the bathroom my husband would you know help me get unhooked from all the machines right. going go to the bathroom um and i started off at i think it was 1.5 centimeters uh-huh. and percent of face. So they explained to me, you know, everything about the Foley bulb and the goal to get to four centimeters and come in and and, and test it every um, hour or so. So um, I can't remember exactly how long it was in, but I do remember it was middle of the night because again, it started at 8.20 p.m. Um, so middle of the night, they finally come in and they would, you know, I would actually fell asleep. I don't know how, because I was in so much pain. Right. Um, and I remember they came in, they finally like did the final tug and it came out. And I just remember this like sense of relief. <laughs> over. And um, once they pulled it out, um, I think there was a small lag time and then they started the Pitocin. Mm-hmm. And again, they asked me, you know, if I understood, you know, what those. Oh, another thing, too, that they did. They asked me several times if I knew why I was being induced. Huh. So I thought that was interesting. And, you know, after listening to you, you talk uh-huh. so many times, like, yep. I thought that was something, obviously a protocol in place, um, almost to, to, you know, make sure that I was saying that was my idea more so than their idea. So interesting. Okay. So yeah, we started the Pitocin, um, and I think they started it at like a level two. Um, and I just remember going through that and that was about four in the morning. So from about four in the morning, 
Uh, I think I managed to fall asleep, get a nap in. They kept kind of upping it mm-hmm. to two every yep. single, every time they would come in and check. Yep. Um, my um, centimeters kept kind of increasing slowly. I think I got stuck at like maybe five or six for a longer period of time when they uh-huh. would come in. Um, over that course of time, you know, several nurses coming and going. And these are all things I knew were going to happen. Right. You know, I had some awesome nurses and I had some nurses that were, you could tell they were just there to get their shift done. Yeah. Um, there was one point where I think I had more switches because they usually only switch every, what, like 12 hours? Uh-huh. Usually. But there was one that had to switch like in the middle of the shift. So I had more nurses okay. than normal. Gotcha. Um, but uh, right around... I'd say about one, one thirty. Mm-hmm. They upped it to level sixteen. And I have this written down in my notebook. Level sixteen. <laughs> I was like, okay, here we go, level sixteen. And up to this point, you know, I'm like, if this is what labor is, I'm good. I'm, right. I think I can do this. Right. Now, I, after that Foley bulb experience, I was like, if that was the worst pain, like right. it was awful, but I could deal with that. Right. So they upped it to sixteen, and somehow I managed to fall asleep. And I'll never forget. Like I woke up with a jolt of pain that I had never felt before, right around two o'clock. And I said, oh my gosh. And I told my husband, and I was like, can you check the monitor? If, did I just have a contraction? Because if that was a contraction, <laughs> this is not what I thought it was going to be. And, you know, I kept asking nurses on and off throughout the day, like, how will I know if it's, you know, they, they kept asking me, you know, do you think you, you might want the epidural? Do right. you have to order it? And, right. And I was like, oh gosh. So that joke pain woke me up and I was like, oh my God, I think this is what they've been talking about. Right. And um, I think I hit the, the nurse button and I was like, okay, I, I'm not sure, but you know, I think I just had like the, the real contraction. What do I need to do if I do want that? Because I know they, they needed to do like a, a IV, make mm-hmm. sure I had a full IV yeah. and it was going to be about an hour before they could come around because they just, there were so many people on my floor having sure. babies. So um, I was like, okay, let's just get the IV just in case. And in that hour that it would take for me to order the epidural, it just got increasingly just, more and more. And that, that's why I tell you, I had the, the best of both worlds. I got to experience the whole like unmedicated. <laughs> I'm good. I can live to tell the tale. Right. But send the epidural team in. Because I'm ready. Like. <laughs> So I experienced about two hours of the, the volcano eruption. Okay. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. It, it something. Okay. Um, but my, my pride is I didn't cuss anybody out. I didn't <laughs> tell my husband that why did you do this to me? I didn't do any of that. I did cuss, but I didn't cuss anybody. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, again, it was, yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I got it. Good to know. I call other women. And yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, and then when the epidural came in, team came in, um, and here's my advice to women who are considering, just don't look, look forward. I don't even know what the people look like. I never saw the needle. If if there was, I just followed whatever instructions they told me. I did it. I remember them telling me, um, listen, if you have a contraction and you start moving around, we're going to have to stop until your contraction is done. And I remember having a contraction while they were doing it. I was like, I stood so still. I was like, I did not want to delay. <laughs> so after they finished everything, they did an awesome job of like everything they did. They explained to me what they were about to do and how it, I would possibly feel. And so that was really, really helpful. So, you know, for any women who are like petrified of the whole epidural experience, right. like don't look just, and just make sure that they are giving you step by step before, even if they just are touching you on the shoulder, like I'm going to touch you on the shoulder mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully you have, you know, lucky enough to have the um, doctors that will give you that, that level of um, alertness. Yeah, so, absolutely. And then uh, once they were all done, they were like, what's well, going to take about 20 minutes for you to feel it. And I remember looking at the clock <laughs> and saying, okay, that's about five more contractions. <laughs> and um, just like they said, after you know each one, it got a little bit less intense, less intense until finally, um, I, I, it felt like it kicked in. And you know, I, I think what I have what would be called a good epidural because okay. I could still move my legs and feel my legs. Uh-huh. But I didn't feel anything in my torso, vaginal oh, nice. area, so that was great. Nice. Um, and I also remember them telling me they were that I would feel this like itching sensation mm-hmm. for a while. And it, as long as I didn't scratch, it would go away quick. And I just remember I was like, whatever you guys tell me, that's what I'm going to do. So I just took it. Um, and eventually, you know, it did um, subside. So, okay. okay. Um, so that was what, about four, four or five o'clock. Um, 
So from that point, you know, it was just monitoring. Um, oh, and do you know how dilated you were when you got the epidural? Um, I think I was at, I mean, yeah, like I said, I was like stuck at like six for okay. a long time. Okay. So got right it. around got like it. six. Okay. Um, so I don't have the exact time stamps, but I know like every time they would come in, it would go up one. Sure. Sure. One. And, yep. um, you know, we were just in the room watching TV. Mm-hmm. I remember we had BT and we were just watching like, Martin and Fresh Prince episode. Right. We saw every single Martin <laughs> Fresh Prince episode ever made in that time. <laughs> um, I remember, must have been, yeah, Tuesday night. So, yeah, this is into Tuesday night. We actually saw the, like, This Is Us, Pentultimate episode. Uh-huh. So, like, these things vividly in my mind. Yeah. So after that went off, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, go to sleep and see. And I had this uh, little text thread going with a group of friends and also some family. And everyone was putting in their predictions about when the baby was going to be actually come. So, of course, this is March 18th. I'm sorry, May 18th. And everyone um, was thinking, you know, sometime tonight. So I had family members anywhere from like 10 o'clock all the way till midnight. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode, and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy Into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. So finally we get around the 1030 hour. Um, the doctor comes in, she checks, and I think I was at like a nine. Okay. So we were thinking, okay, you know, we'll be close. She came back again. I can't remember, a little bit quicker and did another check. Um, and so, you know what, you're at a 10, we can start practice pushing. And I was like, practice, what, what, practice like, pushing. What? <laughs> and I, Cause I'm thinking we're going into the next day. Right. Right. So somehow I managed to text my family. I was like, you guys better, uh, upgrade your, your, um, your guesses because this thing's going into the next day. So I had all these family members, you know, guessing this, that somebody put the 21st. I was like, no, I'm no, not, not going to go yeah. into two day labor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember my aunt, one of my favorite aunts, had predicted 11:59 on the 18th. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, I want her to be right. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push for this. So I started um, the practice pushing at about 11 o'clock. And during all this time, I had one I just awesome. I just remember having really awesome um, nurses and coaches on either side of me. My husband was on my uh, right side. The nurse on duty at the time was on my left side. Right. Eventually, they brought in the, the pediatrician, and um, the hospital I give birth is also a teaching hospital. Uh-huh. So there are a lot of a lot of people in the room. Sure. At one point, I look around the room and I realize I have literally, except for my husband, all black female delivery team. Wow. The tech, the resident, everyone. Every- the pediatrician, I believe, may have been um, East Asian, uh-huh. but we told her she was honorary for that moment. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I had um, Beyonce homecoming playing in the delivery room. Yes. 
And so by the end of the practice pushing phase, I had everybody's favorite Beyonce song. They all, I knew where everybody was from. One of the uh, doctors was from Houston. Like we we were having a good time in there. Meanwhile, you know, every two or three minutes I'm pushing through these contractions. So we get to 1130 and she's like, okay, we're ready to, for real, for real push. Right. So they did a bunch of stuff in the room. Um, my husband actually <laughs> had to excuse himself for a moment. And I didn't find this out until afterward because he said he got like, somehow got kind of dizzy. Oh, Lord. Went into the bathroom <laughs> and we all heard this like, Bruh. we're like, oh, Lord. I was like, please don't tell me this man has passed out in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> But he, he emerges back out of the bathroom looking a little flushed. I'm right. like, hey, I need you to be my rock here. So he comes back over and gets his spot back. And then, oh, I mean, I guess it's kind of blurry, but, you know, we're pushing. Um, I'm, you know, just Beyonce's playing. Nurses are out everywhere. People are, and you know, I'm, of course, looking up. The light's bright. Um, and I pushed for about 30 minutes and I just never forget that second to last push. I looked up at the clock and it was 1158. Right. I was like, Auntie Debbie is going to be the winner. <laughs> this is coming. Right. And for some reason, it, the contraction took a little bit longer to come. Uh-huh. And I started pushing at about 1159 and like some seconds. And it was about 30 seconds of pushing. And Isla came at 12 o'clock midnight as the clock Turned oh over. my goodness. He was born on May 19th, right. um, 2021. And I mean, it was just, it was, it was crazy. Like after, you know, seeing and hearing so many different birth stories, my, my birth story was, mm-hmm. was in the books. Yeah. So, um, when she came out, um, I think I'm a diva was on. That's the song she came out to. All right. She came out screaming with a full head of hair and I just knew that she was going to be bald headed because all the heartburn and all that I didn't have any of that stuff all right. throughout my pregnancy um but she was just beautiful and her eyes were open she looked at me and I looked at her and I just remember giving her a big kiss and saying I love you Aww. and uh, it was it was beautiful and oh, that you know is so beautiful when they when they say that whole thing about how you like forget everything as soon as you, I mean it's so true yeah. like oh it's so true you know, and meanwhile, you know, they're doing all the stuff they got to do down there. And you're just holding your baby. and Right, yeah. right, right. So they did do skin to skin, it sounds like. Yes. And that, yes. yep. And um, did they do delay cord clamping? They do you did remember? Delay cord clamping. My husband was not interested in cutting the cord. Okay. So That's, they, you know. <laughs> but he was responsible for making sure that they did cut it and get do the delayed. Um, and then, um, so while they were, did you have to get any stitches or anything? No. So, um, kind of interesting. I didn't tear, um, I had some inner vaginal tears, okay. I believe what okay. they called it. So I didn't tear like the perineum or anything. Right. Um, oh, and just to back up too. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I think I got this from you was to request, um, um, some oils and oh, things yeah. like mm-hmm. So they actually were doing that for me, yep. doing the, the pushing. So that, I think that was helpful. Um, but no, I didn't tear, but, um, part of my placenta actually broke off and stayed inside and they were having trouble getting out. So I actually had to, after my, my hour with the baby and uh-huh. we did some breastfeeding, um, they actually had to give the baby to my husband and take me into the OR. Oh. Um, I had to go to the OR and have an emergency procedure to remove the piece of remains. the center. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, there was risk of hemorrhage. Sure. And I just remember like not even really being worried about it because I just felt like I had such good care. Right. And I mean, to the point where I was in the OR making jokes about like, okay, when am I going to be able to eat? Because, right. you know, it's middle of the night. So none of the restaurants were open. Um, and then, and somehow Beyonce was playing in the OR. I don't know if one of the doctors figured that out. And, and at one point I was like, is, is this, in? cause I'm looking straight up. I can't see anything. I was like, right. is this an all female OR team too? <laughs> so I was like, just in there cracking everybody up. And I mean, it felt like at one point there were a hundred doctors in the room. I was like, wow, I must really be going. So it, I think it was way more serious than what I realized. Sure. Um, and again, my husband was left for about an hour and a half with the baby. Right. Like, you take your wife to OR. Here's your baby. Right. Good luck. We'll see you. And, you know, I kept asking, like, is, is, are, is anybody letting my husband know what's going on? And um, so finally they, you know, took good care of me. And I, at the time I didn't realize it, but I was like stuffed full of gauze and all kinds of stuff. And oh, um, wow. had to go to the, I guess, the recovery room. And then uh-huh. finally um, transported to our um, 
mother baby unit. Okay. So okay, okay. Did you lose a lot of blood in the process? I did lose a lot of blood, um, uh, but they were able to, you know, contain the the hemorrhage. And I didn't, I did not hemorrhage, is what I was told. So okay. like, but it was, it could have been sure much worse than what it was. Sure, um, sure. And then, you know, luckily I had already had the epidural, so they didn't have to worry about like an anesthesia right. situation. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So we got there and, you know, finally got to get reunited with, with Isla and my husband. And, um, you know, we stayed at the hospital another full day. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, as long as everything was like checking out and the vitals were all improving, which they did, um, they were going to release us. Um, so we went in on a Monday labored all day Tuesday. Um, technically she came on Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, I think we didn't check out until Friday morning. Okay. That's pretty typical. We could have checked out on Thursday night, but my husband was like, let's just make sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, all of her, um, she hit all of her little benchmarks and yeah, it was, it was whirlwind. And, and one thing that, that I still can't wrap my head around, is like how many different like doctors and nurses and like the people that you build like a relationship with. And then all of a sudden it's like a whole new, new group, you know, mm-hmm. and the doctor that actually delivered me and I, I want to make sure I meant she was the one that released me when I had my ectopic. Um, no, when I had to go back and get the DNC right. after the ectopic pregnancy, that's like so full, it was circle. Full, cer- it was yeah. full circle. And I made sure um, I scheduled my, my two week or six week appointment with her uh-huh. and I, I made sure that I told her, cause I mean, I'm sure she sees so many people, right, but right, not just right. for her to know that I really appreciated, you know, the care that she gave and she, maybe she didn't know she was being kind, yeah. and, but she really, it was really great to, you know, see her as the one that was on call during the time when I finally That's had my really first nice. child. That's really, and, and if you want to mention the hospital or any names you can, um, I just, you know, I always have, I, when it's negative, then I have to be careful. But if it's positive, if you want to mention, you feel free. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's Emory, Emory Healthcare, uh-huh. uh, Emory, Emory University Hospital Midtown. Is where okay. I gave. And it's crazy because since then, I have met at least three women that were there at the same time, the same day. I've met two women who have made oh, 18 babies. So that basically means we were right. there. Isn't that crazy? That I is saw crazy. A lot of babies born in yes, that world. Yes, that day, yes, reason, so. yes. Oh, so, oh, a couple of things. Do you remember when your water broke? Did they break your water or did it break on its own at some point? I believe it broke on, because it was after the epidural. Okay. And I remember like feeling a sensation. I, think, yeah. I was like, I think my water just broke. Gotcha. gotcha. They did. I don't think they broke it. Okay. It broke um, at some point during the labor. Yeah, good, yeah. good. Because I didn't even remember that. I don't think I wrote that down in my little gotcha. milestone book. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then... How was the postpartum period like for you with breastfeeding, if you breastfed and getting adjusted and all of that stuff? Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I try, I do a lot of research on things, but I also kind of research things as needed. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I did a good amount of research on breastfeeding. Um, cause you know, I didn't grow up with, I'm the youngest, so I didn't grow up with babies. Sure. So I never really understood. And, um, and even being around like my cousins and, you know, friends that have had babies, I never really paid attention to the breastfeeding side of things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Hey, if that's something, and I remember people started asking me towards the end of my pregnancy, are you going to breastfeed? And I was like, I guess if that's what people do, right. but, you know, definitely, you know, um, started off and, and tried it, but it just never really like caught on fully uh, gotcha. with my daughter, um, in the hospital, um, I can't remember. It was a combination of my milk supply wasn't in mm-hmm. and she just wasn't latching. So she sure. started off um, with some bottles right away and she was always comfortable with the bottles. So we breastfed successfully for about three months. I was pumping, but you know, at the end of the day, my, my number one goal is that she was eating and happy yeah. and she was fine with bottles. Yeah. I mean, she would, she would always give the, the, um, breastfeeding a try, but at the end of the day, she would suck up the bottle and she was happy. I was happy. Um, you know, so I never wanted to put myself in a a stressful situation or put her in a stressful situation. Um, and even with the pumping, like, I mean, it got to the point where I was pumping for like two hours and getting one ounce of milk. And I'm like, this is just, yeah, yeah. this is taken away from me. Yeah. Spending time with my my daughter. Yeah. I always called breastfeeding a labor of love because your whole life revolves around 
your breasts suddenly like when is the next time you can do something because you got a pump or you got a feed so um you know i think we all just have to do the best we can and, yeah and i worked from home and it was a struggle i can only mm-hmm. imagine those moms that have to get back to work yeah yeah so yeah. um so so i i enjoy it again i felt like we had the best of both worlds sure. you know we had a, that journey yep. um, together and i definitely see and understand the bonding um but she also is super healthy and a great eater now so and doing great yeah if um yeah. you know a bottle feeding is what you need to do to make sure your your baby is happy and healthy then by all means do it right right and then did you have any issues with postpartum anxiety or depression or anything no not really um you know again i just try to surround myself with good people good information um i really uh, attribute a lot you know me and my husband again we're we're older mature not that, you know, uh, younger women aren't mature. I, I know but, what you, you mean, know. but yeah, there's something that comes with life experience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I was always, you know, super conscious of it. Um, but another thing that's awesome is that we have both of our moms are here. So, you know, they were always eager and excited to, you know, if I needed 20 minutes just to go yep. take a bath, take a shower, um, you know, I could do that. Um, if anything, I remember the first three weeks or so, like there always would be somebody here other than my right. husband and I, and it'd be like, okay, who wants to turn with the baby? Like she just got passed around. Sure. Loved the one. Like, all of it. It's just, yes. And it shows today because yeah. now she loves all of her, her village. Yeah. That um, is amazing. So I, I feel like I was very well supported. Um, and again, my, even my physical recovery, you know, was pretty good, um, I, I made it a point and I think I mentioned in the beginning, I'm a runner also. Mm-hmm. So I run, and obviously I didn't do any physical activity for the first like two or three weeks and just kind of ease my way back into mm-hmm. society. Of course, her being a spring baby, it was nice because weather was, wasn't terrible. Right. So when we wanted to go out for like a little walk, we could do that or go sit on the porch. Yeah. So yeah. I think that really helps to be able to, you know, kind of combat some of those potentials. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then as we wrap up, what would be like your favorite piece of advice that you would give to folks who are expecting a baby? Oh, wow. Um, I would say just like, I, like I mentioned, the doctors asking, like, how do you best take in information? You know, if you're a type of person that needs a lot of information mm-hmm. in order to make decisions, then, you know, seek out the information. But um, some aspects I just wanted to experience and have my own interpretation of it. Yep. Um, but I would say the number one piece of advice and, and is to listen to your podcast. Oh, you're so sweet. No, seriously, it was so helpful just to hear different um, topics and um, anyone who I find out is pregnant, I recommend the the podcast. And then if you need that, I mean, I'm not sure how um, in-person birthing classes are now, mm-hmm. Um we didn't have the option, yeah. so an online platform was perfect for us at the time. But um, you know, I think it was great to be able to take that that course and be informed from like literally every aspect, and just be informed. So take the information in the way that you need to take it in, and then be excited about your experience because yeah. everyone's everyone's experience is unique. There's no one can tell you what your birth and pregnancy is going to be like 100%, 100%. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I so, so enjoy talking to you. You have lovely energy. And although, you know, you were quote unquote geriatric, you don't look it. Your black does not crack. So. <laughs> thank, you. thank you so much. And I just want to thank you again for just being um, a resource for women all over. I mean, it must be must be pretty awesome to be like thousands of women's doctor without having a yeah because i mean i literally felt like <laughs> i brought you into the delivery room it's like, what would oh. say about <laughs> it is one of the greatest thank you it is one of the greatest privileges joys and honors of my life to be able to be of service to so many people it is the heart so i just it, it, you know everyone tells me you know i appreciate folks and like you telling me that it you found it helpful, but I can't overstate like how much it brings me joy and fills me up and makes me feel good. So thank you. Yes. And even just like listening to your personal birth stories, like, gosh, like if, if there was one, uh, a person that can testify that you can't predict anything, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and, um, you know, off the record, if you, you want to include this, feel free, you know, if you ever, need any help with, you know, just getting the word out about your, um, platforms, you know, please utilize my, my 
platform because I have um, a pretty decent social media reach and you know I'll definitely pump this episode up when it comes out awesome. so well let's talk where are you where are you on social media if people want to connect with you I don't know yes. if you talk about running and things like that well my social media account is running nerds and if you go back you'll see all these photos of me running and running adventures and then promptly around May 2021 it changes into a baby page right <laughs> <laughs> I tried to revamp the running again um, early last year, but it just morphed back into a baby page. And I get way more likes when I post pictures of Isla than I do when I post my running adventures. But feel free to follow me at Running Nerds. And if you are in the Atlanta area and you're looking for some running events, you can follow um, Run Social Atlanta and um, our big event, The Race, The Race underscore UC. So I'd love to see see some folks there. And um, it definitely has taken on a new, my business mind has taken on a new um, frame since becoming a mom. So shout out to all the entrepreneur moms, yep. shout out to all the working moms, yep. working home moms, all of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. Yes. Have a great rest of the day and keep doing the good work. Right. Wasn't that a great episode? I really enjoy chatting with Tess. As I said, she has lovely energy, so joyful. I love how she put a positive spin on the things that happened during her journey to give birth to Isla Rose. Now, you know, after every episode, when I have a guest on, or maybe you don't know because you're new to the podcast, but <laughs> whether you know or not, after, after, after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my top takeaways from the conversation. And here are my top takeaways from the conversation with Tess. So number one, I think it's fantastic that Tess got pregnant over the age of 40 without any assistance. But I want you to know that that is not very common that that happens. Our fertility starts to decline as we get older. We are all born with all of the eggs that we are going to have and they age as we age. And fertility really starts to steeply decline. Well, it definitely starts to decline over age 35 and then steeply decline over age 40. So if you're not pregnant after six months over 35, you should see a specialist. And really over 40, you should see a specialist pretty quickly. And sometimes people think that seeing a specialist means that you're automatically going to do IVF. And that's not the case. What seeing a specialist does is just gives you information. It helps you understand what your options are, what your unique circumstances are in terms of fertility. I know we see a lot of like older people and celebrities and things getting pregnant. I can almost certainly tell you they likely have some sort of fertility assistance or they have donor eggs or a combination of those. So don't get caught out there and not have you know your options or know your options at least if you're over 35 and having issues with getting pregnant definitely seek out a specialist sooner rather than later okay number 2 it's really important to have some sort of constant support with you during your pregnancy as Tess mentioned the nurses will change like shift change will happen different things will change you'll have a different nurse and so really having some sort of constant support is really important for Tess it was her partner and she said he was great at supporting her but maybe it's a doula doula is also a great option to have that sort of constant support because the the people around you the nurses the doctors will change and having that sort of constant support will help you feel grounded and more at peace and settled during your labor and your birth process. Okay, a couple more quick things. Epidurals will take time. Tess mentioned how she had to wait a little bit for her epidural to come. Epidurals are considered an elective procedure and the anesthesiologist may be doing other things in the hospital. Um, it, it may take some time. Even if the anesthesiologist can come right away, you have to get IV fluids beforehand. It just takes some time to set up. So everyone needs to know some techniques for managing pain other than an epidural. Check out episode 129 of my podcast where you can learn about all of your options for pain management. You can grab that at drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 129. So do check that out because everybody needs to know some techniques for managing pain because epidurals can take time. And then the last thing I will say is test mentioned how it was important or how it felt good when she looked up in the room and she saw that there was an all black team there supporting her. 
that really can make a difference. I think sometimes, especially in this day and age, people get antsy or uncomfortable or think we overemphasize or talk about race too much. But the reality is that black women are three to four times as likely to die in childbirth as white women. And education doesn't protect us. Uh, highly educated black woman like myself who has, you know, a gazillion degrees has about the same risk as a white woman with less than a high school education. And we found that that is because people are treated differently in our healthcare system based on race. Okay. So it's not like from being overweight or having other healthcare problems, people are treated differently based on race. And we also know that those differences in treatment are not as significant, um, even go away when you are treated by someone who looks like you by another uh, black physician. So when we talk about those things, it's not because we're trying to, you know, obsess or make up problems where they don't exist. I would love to live in a world where people were not treated differently based on their race, but that's not the reality of where we are. So those things are important and those things matter. And you should do your part in your own community to help people who are from marginalized groups to have a better birth experience, whether that's something as simple as just speaking up about the issues and the truth that exist. All right. So there you have it. Do me a solid. Share the podcast with a friend. Sharing is sharing is caring. Helps me to reach and serve more pregnant folks and helps me to do more of the heart, soul, and passion of my work, which is, again, serving pregnant people and helping them have that beautiful birth experience that they deserve. Also, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now and leave a review at iTunes or Apple Podcast or shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. I love it when people send me messages about how they listen to the podcast or how the podcast has helped them. Um, as I said in the episode, Yes, I know that I help a lot of people, but it just brings me so much joy and fills me up to to hear those comments and to know that what I'm doing makes a difference. So shoot me a message on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins if you find this podcast helpful. And remember, it's not too late if you're listening to this on Tuesday, January 17th. Go ahead and sign up for my class, Make a Birth Plan the Right Way. You can check it out at drnicolerankins.com forward slash register. Only doing this class four times a year. So hop on it now if you are interested. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.